have already confessed to you many times that I am kind of a sucker for new kitchen gadgets. I love to cook, I love to, I love to grill, and I love gadgets. I love kitchen gadgets. And I wanted to share with you one of my latest. Now before you think that this is some extravagance, this was a gift that I bought myself. Um, it's, a, it's a salt grinder. But rather than having to twist it, it's electric. Battery-powered. Battery-powered salt grinder. One of the greatest things. You got a battery-powered pepper grinder, too. But it's a battery-powered salt grinder. No more, no more twisting, no more shaking. You just do that and, and puts the salt on. One other thing, also, it's got a light. So, so if you happen to be eating watermelon in the dark, like I find myself sometimes, you just put it right on there, and it's fine. It, it, it works great. And before you think, oh, did you really need that? Let me remind you something here. Jesus says that we are the salt of the world, or the salt of the earth. He also says we are the light of the world. So this is now a sermon illustration, which means it's a tax write-off. So, there. I've saved money, actually. I don't think Jesus had my salt grinder in mind when he said that. <laughs> I arrested. Thank you to my accountant, who just has corrected my... Sermon illustration. I thought I should check with you first on that, Kathy. I don't think Jesus had my grinder in mind when he said that, but you know, if we're to understand who we are, that this is us, who we are together, we need to understand what he means when he calls us the salt of the earth, the light of the world. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 today. If you want to join me there, Matthew 5, beginning in verse 13. If you're using those blue Bibles in front of you, it is page 810. Uh, if you've got your phone with you and you have the Bible app, uh, you can find our notes there. There's a couple of sermon notes and a few announcements on that uh, as well. But Matthew chapter 5, beginning in 13, right at, at the end, just at the end of the Beatitudes, there is Jesus is giving us the Sermon on the Mount. We did the Beatitudes earlier this year. Immediately after the Beatitudes, Jesus continues, verse 13, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Well, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. They put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I think every preacher has a different way of explaining the whole salt of the earth thing. So many different ways to, to talk about that. And salt, is a, salt is a preservative. And so we talk about how we as Christians are here to preserve the, the love of God, to preserve the integrity of this world, to, to preserve this, this society that we're in. And, and we can see that salt does that. We also see that salt adds flavor. And so there's some who say, oh yeah, the goal is that we would flavor everything with the grace of God, that, that we would bring out the love of God in, in, in our society, in our world around us. But really, no matter how you look at it, one thing you need to understand about salt is that salt brings change. Salt always brings change. And then when you, I have a friend who's a chemist who tells me that anytime you're writing a chemical equation, you have to account for the presence of salt. 
because salt will change the equation. It will change the effectiveness of the chemicals. And then when you add light, you're adding direction, you're adding clarity, you're adding guidance to the world around us. Salt and light bring influence to our world and to the lives of people around us. And so Jesus calls his followers salt and light. You are, he says, the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He doesn't say, you need to try harder at being light. He doesn't say, you need to be saltier. You don't need to be saltier. <laughs> he says, this is exactly who you are. I want you to recognize who you are. It's who Jesus' followers are to be. By virtue of following Jesus, we are salt in this world. We are light in this world. That's how he characterizes our influence on this world. And so by calling us salt and light, Jesus is showing us that we are to be a positive influence on the world around us. No matter how else you take the reference to salt, it should be seen as positive. No matter if you think of it as a flavor enhancer or as a preservative, it is positive. Salt is a change agent. And in the same way, when Jesus calls us the light of the world, He defines it by the positives, not the negatives, not hiding your light under a basket, but putting it on a stand. You let it shine for everyone. Salt only works if it permeates the food. You know, salt only works if it permeates the meat. Light doesn't work if it's hidden. And so while Jesus is not commanding us, He's simply telling us who we are. He's not commanding us, be saltier, be, be more, let your light shine more. He is speaking with an expectation that you and I should have an influence on the world around us. That we will be close enough to the lives of our friends and our neighbors, the people around us. We will permeate their lives with the presence of Jesus, that we would have a positive influence on their lives and, and we would bring something good to them. Last winter, I tried my hand at making summer sausage. I had never done it before, but I thought, how hard can it be, right? So I start making summer sausage. And, and the first batch I made turned out really good. I, and it turned out good because I, well, I followed the recipe. That's, that's what you do. And, you know, obviously by nature of summer sausage being what it is, you have to add salt to it. You have to preserve it. And there's a special salt that they sell that's a pink preserving salt. It's very fine, and you're supposed to use just a little bit, and not too much. You know, you don't want it to be too salty, but you've got to have enough to preserve it. And, and my first batch turned out great. And then I thought, I can do better, you know? I, I wanted a little bit more flavor in it. I, I wanted to add some jalapenos to my sausage and get a little spicier. So I, I made some adjustments. I did not account for how I needed to adjust the salt. And I found out about two weeks after I made it that I had not added enough salt. You know how I knew? There's little green spots in my, in my little sausage links that I'd made, my patties that I'd made. There's little green spots. Those are the ones I gave Connor to see if they were okay. No, I didn't. I did not do that. No, we, we threw those away. But the salt had not permeated the meat, and therefore it didn't have an effect. One of my favorite Christian authors was a man named John Stott. He wrote so many wonderful books. Stott wrote, in fact, I want to tell you that he wrote this back in 1978. So hear this from 1978. He wrote, when society does go bad, we, we Christians tend to throw up our hands in pious horror and we reproach the non-Christian world. 
but should we not rather reproach ourselves? One can hardly blame unsalted meat for going bad. It cannot do anything else. The real question to ask is, where is the salt? As I say, Stott wrote that in 1978. I hear a lot of Christians today, today asking the questions, why is the world so bad? Why is everything gone bad? I hear a lot of Christians complaining, complaining about the influence of politicians and entertainers and and then I hear a lot of Christians even closer to home complaining about the influences on, the, on our community and the kids in our community. Well, when we're done complaining, when we're done complaining, do we stop and ask, where's the salt? Where's the positive influence? Where are the Christians? The question we need to be asking of ourselves is, are we engaging our world? Are we engaging our community? Or have we retreated from the world around us? And this has been a constant promise, or constant problem from the very beginning of our faith. We read John, this little verse in John 17, verse 11, and the way we read it is we hear Jesus say, be in the world, but not of the world. And so we try to draw distinctions about what it means to be in the world, but not of the world. And so we separate ourselves from the world. People have done that for centuries. Back in the 4th century, there was a man known as Simeon Stylites. Simeon Stylites climbed up on a 50-foot-tall pillar to be above the world so that he would be in the world but not of the world, and he would be above all of the horrible, evil things down below him. And Simeon lived up on that pillar for 50 years. He did not come down from that pillar. 50 years up there. And today, there are still groups that separate themselves. Christian groups that... Separate. We can think of the Amish and a few other groups that, that separate themselves and live very separate lives from our world around us. And in the meantime, you and I have to ask ourselves the question, where's the salt? Where is the light? What is it that's influencing our world in a positive way? You heard it when Jesus said there in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Our light can't shine if it's hidden. If the only expression of our faith is what happens inside these walls, what good is it going to do to our neighbors? We're going to have to be willing to engage our world, to, to live within this world, to get close enough that they actually know us, to to get close enough that the people around us, they, they know us, they, they hear us, they, they even love us, and at the very least respect us and respect our thoughts, respect our opinions, and that we have an actual influence on the lives of the people around us. Last year, boy, every now and then, we'll have one of those really nice winter days where all of a sudden it's really sunny and even gets a little warm. And I start getting the itch to get the grill fired up, you know, you get your blackstone out, you know, on a cold winter day, but it's nice, you know, it's sunny out there. And I remember about a year ago, I got in the mood, I was going to cook, I was going to, I was going to make shepherd's pie, in fact. So I go out to the grill, I fire up the grill, I put my cast iron skillet, I start adding all the ingredients, I've got the meat going, I've got the onions, I've got everything going, and then it comes time to add the salt and the other dry ingredients. And I had not accounted for one thing that was still present in the winter, and that was the wind. And so I go to put my flour in to thicken up my 
my sauce. I go in to put the salt to flavor everything and all of the herbs. And as I drop them in, <laughs> there they go. What do you do? Do you, do you account for the wind and say, okay, if I drop it here, it'll go. You're never going to get it right. It didn't help. You know, I, there was no flavor. There was no influence from the salt. There was no thickening agent going into to the food. If that salt is going to enhance the flavor, it has to go on the meat. It has to go in the pot. It has to be there. And if you and I are going to make a difference in our world, we have to be part of this world. We have to be in this world. And I know this world is troubling. And I know some of the stuff you see around us, it, it frightens you. It scares you. And you, you wonder how much worse is it going to get? But sitting at home, hiding from the world, it does... It doesn't just not do our world any good, it doesn't do our community any good. And it does us no good, because we have to be the salt. We have to be the light. Jesus has called us to be these things. We have to be engaging. We have to be reaching out, loving our neighbors in a way that makes a difference in their lives. Not just saying we love them, but actively making a difference. We have to be taking stands on things that are important to us. It, it does us no good simply to complain we have to act, we have to permeate, we have to engage, we have to love. To preserve our world, we must be present in our world. To preserve our community, we have to be present in our community. To preserve our family, we have to be present in our family. Verse 16 again, in, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Uh, hear that carefully. The goal of them seeing our good works is not so they think that we're an awesome church. The goal of them seeing our good works is never, that's such a good church. Those are good Christians. What a good Christian person that is. The goal is that they glorify God. And you realize what that means. That means something has changed inside them. The salt has permeated. The light has, has influenced. They've gone from glorifying themselves, they've gone from glorifying their own wants, to glorifying God, to lifting Him up above them, to, to lifting Him up above the problems of this world. The goal is that they become followers of Jesus, that they become salt, that they become light. A week ago today, <laughs> last Sunday morning, I, I stuck my nose in an online discussion that I should have just, I should have just ignored it. I should have just pretended I hadn't seen it. I, I stuck my nose in this. Marietta, you just got yourself a new Apple Watch. I, I, I stuck my nose in this, and I, my watch suddenly beeped and said, your, blood per, or your, your heart rate just went up, and you're not moving. What's wrong? <laughs> it's like, I was reading the internet, Apple Watch. That's what went wrong with me there. But it warned me that I was getting upset. And what got me upset was a, a post that I'd seen online. A Christian, a Christian had posted talking about how bad America is getting. And they said, America's going to fall under judgment. We're headed for punishment. Punishment is coming. And I went back to the same thought that I always go back to because I went back to what Peter writes. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, Peter says, it is time for judgment to begin. And it begins at the household of God. Peter says judgment starts at the church. He says, it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? If judgment begins here, what's going to happen for those that don't obey, who aren't the salt, who aren't the light? 
When meat rots, you don't blame the meat. That's what meat does. You wonder where was the salt. When people stumble around in the darkness, you don't, you don't curse the dark, you, you light a candle. So where's the salt? Where's the light? Where are the Christians? That's what we're going to have to account for. I hear a lot of people talk about how bad the world is today. and it, it, This is the worst I've ever seen. I hear that over and over again. We're forgetful. And we don't, always, we don't always pay attention to history. Back in ancient Rome, when, the, when Christianity first began, as the church was just beginning, ancient Rome, if you had an unwanted pregnancy in ancient Rome, do you know what you did? You took the baby, you had the baby, and you took the baby outside the city walls, and you left the baby out there to either die of exposure or to be taken care of by scavengers. Or you took the baby to the dump, the city dump that's outside the walls. And so Christians come along. Christians who believed, unlike the rest of the Roman world, Christians who believe that every life is sacred, that every life is created in the image of God, every life has value. And so every night, Christians began patrolling the walls of their cities and rescuing babies and raising them as their own. They took those babies from the walls, they took those babies from the garbage heaps, and they took them home and they raised them. How much of the early church growth do we owe to the rescue of people that no one else valued, that no one else cared for? How much of the early church growth can we chalk up to someone rescuing someone that someone else had thrown away? We don't even have to go back that far. We can go back just a couple hundred years. The 1800s, when people were being bought and sold as slaves, and it was abolitionists like William Wilberforce who stood up because of their faith in Jesus Christ, their faith that told them that every person is created with value, that you do not buy and sell human beings. They launched the abolitionist movement. Things are bad today. Things have been bad in the past, but back then, if someone asked the question, where's the salt? Where's the light? Where are the Christians? Someone could have answered and said they're out patrolling the walls and rescuing babies that nobody else wants. They're launching a movement to end slavery. They're making a difference. And what worries me today is not just about what's happening in our world today. What worries me is what's next. And what's going to happen when somebody looks back on the 21st century and says, where were the Christians? How are we going to answer that? Where were the Christians? They were inside their churches. They were inside big churches where they got to listen to their own band. They listened to their own music. They didn't have to go out and listen to the music with other people. They didn't have to mingle with other people. Where were the Christians? They were in Christian coffee houses where they could have their own discussions. They didn't have to worry about that person sitting next to them that might think differently than them. They were reading their own books. They were listening to their own music. They were watching their own news. They surrounded themselves in an echo chamber that only told them the things they already believed. And then they went home. And they didn't love their neighbor in any way that made a difference in their lives or made a difference in their eternities. And the world went dark. And the world rotted. And Christians wondered, what, what went wrong? And another. I brought a lot of Props today. This is another one of my recent kitchen purchases. This is salt. But it's not 
It's not table salt that you shake out. And it's not kosher salt, which I use a lot of kosher. It's not the kind of salt that goes in a grinder. This is, this is finishing salt. I wish you could see it because it's pretty. Have you seen finishing salt? Your favorite steak restaurant, you may not realize this, but right before they serve you your steak, they put finishing salt on top. And it adds a little bit of flavor, but it also it's, it's like little crystals and they reflect light and it's pretty. And so they put finishing salt on top because it makes your food look prettier. You put it on meat, it brings out the flavor of the meat. You know what else though? You put it on stuff that's sweet. You put it on brownies right when you're done cooking the brownies. You put them on, put them on your chocolate chip cookies. Put some finishing salt right on top. Oh my goodness, it brings out the meat, it brings out the sweet, it brings out the flavor. It's that last step that, that changes something. And there have been times when I've, I've cooked a meal that wasn't all that great and I've added some finishing salt to it and, well, it's a little better. <laughs> it seems to help a little bit. It changes the dish. It completes the dish in a very subtle and yet noticeable way. You would notice the presence of the finishing salt. Salt and light. What are we doing to help our world what are we doing to help our community? We complain a lot. Let me just ask you, has anyone noticed that the complaining is working? <laughs> no, it's not working. It's not helping. Getting angry on the internet just gives my heart the workout that it doesn't need. It doesn't work. So much of it that's out there that makes us angry or makes us scared. The world is in a, the world is a big place. So, so let's just talk about our community right here and our relationships. We talk about salt. And, and I would ask the question, what do we bring to the table for the people in our world who are not in the church? For the people in our community that are not in the church? What are we bringing to the table for them to, to bless them, to care for them, to, to change, to bring an agent of change into their lives? How can we be salt and light in our friendships? What do you do that, that shines the light of God's truth on the lives around us? That shines the light of, of Jesus' love? What, what do you do that inspires them to glorify God? Just this morning, Danny and I were back talking in my office. And a young man walked in here off the street and he just said, I need you to pray for me. And so Danny and I prayed and I thought about my sermon and I thought, there's a little bit of salt and light going into that young man's life right now. Last week we helped a, a woman who had a tremendous need in our community. Just a, a huge need. And she contacted me last Thursday and said, you know what, that, I got that taken care of and I'd like to give you your gift back because I want you to be able to help somebody else. I want you to help somebody with dishes. I want you to... Dishes. <laughs> Someone help me with the dishes. I want you to help somebody with food. I want you to help somebody else with their bill. You know, we, we, we've seen not just us getting a chance to help others, but I love that we're seeing other people who want to help now. We're seeing other people who want to be helpful. Jesus doesn't command us, be salt, be light. He simply says that's who you are. Uh, let your light shine. If, if you follow Me, if you're My disciple, this is who you will be. And our world will know that there's something different about us, that there's something different about Him. Our world will know that there is something worth glorifying our God and glorifying our Savior. And so as we take communion today, 
This isn't just a reminder of, of what He's done for us, giving His body to be broken, giving His blood to be shed, but it's a reminder of the promise that, that He has made to the world. God so loved the world, right? That He gave His one and only Son. So what are we giving? How are we sharing with the world around us? Hannah was telling me the story when she got, when she got baptized. They actually put a little, the preacher put a little salt on her tongue and said, you're the salt of the earth. He gave her a little candle, a lit candle in a baptistry. That doesn't sound safe, but he did it anyway. He told her, you're the light of the world. You and I need some way to remind ourselves of who we are. Not just here, but as soon as we're out those doors, what's the influence? What's the change? What are we bringing to the people who are, who are in need of someone to not just preserve the world, but someone to flavor the world with the grace of God? We're going to take this in a moment. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song that I hope kind of reminds us of, of who Jesus has called us to be. And then we'll take together. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank You for Your Son. We thank You for His gift for the body broken, the blood shared. I thank You that we get to share this together. But Father, if it, if it simply remains in us, then we've missed the point. Because as we take into ourselves the life of Christ, the mission of Christ, it needs to touch the lives of our neighbors, our friends, people we know on the street, people who, who are in need of, of Your love and of Your care. And so I pray that we could be salt. Lord, where, where the love of God needs to be preserved, let us preserve that. And where the grace of, of God needs to flavor someone's life, where, where it needs to overpower just the, the rot and the, and the destruction, Lord, let us bring that grace. Let us be the light of the world. Lord, let us be the light of Kansas. Let us be the light of our neighborhood. We pray that those around us know your love and know your presence because we're able to bring something of it to them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.